Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Okay. Um, want to, I want to pull on a few uh, themes of the last few weeks and try and pull it together into what I believe the Lord is wanting us to do now in terms of a stance that we need to adopt as we move forward. Because we're moving forward. Okay. So, we, we know that there's all kinds of things that are shifting on the planet right now. And um, it's amazing how the focus of the world can quickly go from one thing exclusively, almost totally, to something else completely, exclusively, totally. It's like, well, what happened to the other thing? Very interesting, ne? But in all of this, we can get caught up in fear, panic, intimidation. And the whole journey, the last couple of years, we know that it's been about a spiritual test. So yes, things are happening in the natural realm. Absolutely. No one's denying it. But in all of this, our, um, our frame of reference is not what the, is the enemy doing. It's, God, what are you doing? Okay? So remember, uh, early on, this happened about two years ago. This is March. Can you believe it? March 2022. So in March of 2020, you know, and the world was kind of like, whoa, everybody, you know, go home, get in your cave and stay there. And a lot of fear and a lot of panic. And we knew because the Lord kept saying to us over and over again, do not fear. Remember that? Okay, even if you don't remember, I'm now reminding you. So the words came over and over and over again because the battle, the test was fear. Right? Because we know that the Lord has spoken good things to us. He's given us some prophetic words. And we knew that we were, as a family, called into supernatural believing of that realm invading this realm. Okay, if you've been around for a while, okay, this is part of the language. So what is God doing in heaven? And we begin to pray that onto the earth. Because he told us to pray this way. He said, guys, if you're with me, this is how we pray. We seated with Christ in heavenly places. This would be yes. All right. So we seated with him and we're taking the stance and the view of what's happening in the heavenly realms and we pray them onto the earth. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed, praised, honored, glorified, magnified, we worship your name. May your kingdom come or let your kingdom come. 
Where? On earth. So we're praying for something to take place. Because this is the way in which Jesus instructed us. He's giving us some instructions. He's giving us guidelines. And he's giving us the authority to pray in this way. Not a meaningless exercise. He has a strategic intention for this prayer. True? Yeah, this is not just a nice bedtime prayer that you just pray into the atmosphere. You say, okay, done and dusted, I can go to sleep now. This is not a religious exercise. Jesus was never religious. When he encountered religion, my goodness, he was ruthless. Jesus doesn't do religious things. Very intentional. And so he, he teaches us in a very particular way, strategic, to pray in a particular direction. And whatever he instructs and whatever he leads and guides is towards a particular end. It's not just praying into the atmosphere. There's an intention. So he's saying, okay, pray in this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, when will that prayer be answered? Is it going to be answered? Will it never be answered? We've got to actually stop and we need to think. Why did Jesus call us to pray this prayer if it was never going to be answered? Well, theologically we know that it's impossible for God to lie. So whatever he does, it's true, it's truth. It's going to happen. And so he's calling us to partner with him in praying in this way in order that we might see the fulfillment, the outcome of this prayer. So we might not yet see the full manifestation of it. We might only see tiny little pieces beginning to you know, be made aware. But it doesn't mean that God's plan, purpose, intention is not going to come about. So he's, he's inviting us to pray in this way and to stand with him and to believe with him that this is actually going to happen. So no lies with God or in God. He is truth. And his intention was that whatever was lost in the fall would be restored through the second Adam. Amen? Hmm. So do we yet see Garden of Eden kind of existence on the earth right now? The answer would be no. It actually wasn't a trick question. Okay, we don't yet see it. All right, 
which means we continue to pray this prayer until the full outworking of what Jesus came to do and to establish is actually in place. Mm. This is meaty stuff. Higher grade. Mm. This kind of stuff is going to make us strong. Yeah? Sometimes we need to be provoked and challenged in our walk with the Lord so that we get up off our blessed assurance and actually partner with Him and see things moving in the direction that He's called us to. Okay? So, heaven on earth. We're longing to see heaven on earth. Hmm? That's why when your sock drawer is untidy, you have an internal thing inside of you, I must tidy my sock drawer. You, you've got something inside of you because you've been made in His image to bring order. No one else is going to see your sock drawer. But because you've been made in His image, you have this desire to bring order. Chaos over the deep. When God was creating, He brought order to chaos. This is what He does. This is who He is. He brings order to chaos. There's a storm. He says, peace, be still. Chaos comes into order. There's something inside of us that yearns and longs for godly order on the planet. He put it inside of us. So we know that he is busy working and bringing things into order. We do not yet see it. That's why we keep praying. Let your kingdom come. Kingdom? King, kingdom speaks of a king. A king who's ruling and reigning. Let your rule and your reign be established on the earth as it is in heaven. Come on, think about it. His rule and reign in heaven, complete and absolute. On earth, not so much. Yet. Because he wouldn't ask us to pray a prayer that he had no intention of fulfilling. He doesn't lie. Ah, sorry guys, man. You know, I was just, you know, just kidding, man. You know, just keeping you occupied and preoccupied and distracted while I was doing something else. You know, I was just, you know, just, ah, kidding. No, that's not Jesus. So when he says, listen, pray in this way. Seek the Lord that he would do this. That the kingdom, as it is in heaven, let it be on the earth. So that's why people who want to hit the escape button and get out of here while there's still chaos on the earth are actually not comprehending God's mission. 
Mm. Perhaps some people need to readjust their end times thinking. Because if we leave everything and the devil is kind of like doing all his stuff, well, we actually haven't brought heaven to earth. Hmm. Okay. Yo, 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 yo. So we're praying that your kingdom come, that your will be done. He's the God of peace. So let's go back again. You thought I'd forgotten where I was. No, I didn't. Two years ago, all of a sudden there's chaos and there's fear. And the Lord says, do not fear. What's he doing? Heaven invading. Where there's fear was pervading, heaven is invading. He says, do not fear. The prince of peace. Let the peace of God rule your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we have, we have this opportunity to see, so how in touch with God are we? So the news broadcasts day and night, be afraid, be very afraid. In fact, you must be more afraid than you are right now. That was the message day and night. So... We take the test. Are you going to align yourself with that and be afraid? Or are you going to align yourself with the Prince of Peace? That was the test. Mm -hmm. And praise God, in Christ Jesus, we are always victorious. So he causes us to be overcomers. He causes us to pass the test. So we gave ourselves a pass mark. Do you remember that? We had a message earlier in January this year. We faced the test. We're passing the test. And if the aspects we didn't get right, don't worry. We have the inside track. And he's going to permit us to rewrite it so that we can pass it. We always will pass the test. Okay. But also, as this test is happening... If you focus on what the devil is doing, you're going to get one conclusion, one answer. But Lord, in all of this, what were you doing? He said, guys, take five-week holiday. It was amazing. The government said, hey, guys, five-week family time. Build puzzles, play games. Catch up on books you haven't read. Watch a few movies you always intended to watch. Have fun. Oh, and by the way, when you go shopping, easy peasy. Hardly anybody in the store. Make it easy for you. Relax. Have fun. Enjoy. Family time. Rest. What was God doing? He was kind of like, ah. Yeah? Gave the planet a rest. We weren't putting jet engine fuel all over the planet. We weren't polluting the planet like we were. Hmm? Fox the climate people terribly. Oh, better not be naughty. 
The canals in Venice that had been polluted for decades, all of a sudden, fish and porpoises swimming in the canals in Venice. This is amazing. The water just cleared up in a matter of weeks. This is amazing. We had a kind of like a, a time of rest. It was brilliant. If you're seeing what God is doing, what's his redemptive purpose in all of this? Hmm? Okay. We're looking to see heaven to earth. Heaven to earth. That's why we're here. Okay. Now, we're still facing some big challenges. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You see, faith doesn't deny challenges. Faith just says, I'm not going to give you the louder voice to determine my response. Faith says, I'm going to allow God to be the voice in my life that I'm going to listen to. So even though I'm seeing all these things here, Lord, what are you saying in the situation? That's what faith does. Hmm? Okay. So, for the last few weeks, I've been pulling on some themes and some threads, and I'm going to try and weave a few things together and make a new tapestry for you. Is that okay? We know that God spoke prophetically to Abraham. And he called him out of the most disastrous place. And he said, hey dude, let's go for a walk. And I want you to walk like long and hard and high and low and wide. And actually, we're on a bit of a prophetic exercise here. Because one day we're going to look back and we see, we're going to have that app to track how far you walked. So God was tracking his foot, footsteps, and over his lifetime he says, Okay, now all the land where your feet have tread, I'm going to give it to you and to your descendants as an inheritance. And Abram's thinking, Oh my goodness, I should have gone further. <laughs> like, why did I stop at the river? prophetic word Isaac he gets a repeat hey just just like the word for Abram Isaac I'm going to bless you I'm going to multiply you dude isn't that what they say at weddings yeah children by the dozen that's the heavenly language, quick translation for you. But it's only Jacob who has 12. Isaac? Here's Jacob and then we don't talk about Esau. Abram, the guy who got the prophetic word, just gets Isaac. 
the father of faith sees the prophetic fulfillment just in one. But you have kids as many as the sand, the grains of sand on the seashore. Look at the stars. Count them. Can you? No, you can't. Too many. Right. Your kids. Lots of kids. Says, cool. And in his lifetime, he sees a partial fulfillment of the prophetic word. Isaac receives that word and he knows that he's part of the fulfillment because remember he was the, the dude. I'll be the sacrifice. What incredible faith both Abraham and Isaac had. Yeah, Dad, you can tie me up. Uh, get on the altar? Of course, Dad. How old are you, Dad? 100 in the shade. How strong are you? No probs, Dad. I'll get up onto the altar. Whew. Why would Isaac do that? Because he believed the prophetic word. I'm part of the fulfillment of that prophetic word. Isaac partnered with Abram's faith. Hebrews says, Abram reckoned God could raise Isaac from the dead. Isaac was partnering with that faith. Jacob, 12. One of them is Joseph. Joseph, he's the prophetic guy, the guy with dreams. He hadn't gone to all the prophetic training yet. Still a little bit obnoxious. He says to his older brothers, <laughs> hey, you scumbags. One day, you're going to bow down to me. See my fleshy clothes? Yeah. yeah. Don't you like my lack of BMW? I'm just cruising around. Got the threads. Doing the stuff. It's like, you know what? I'm just stepping into my destiny prophetically one day. And the guys are kind of like, we're done with this chap. But Joseph, he was prophetic. Had to get some things knocked off him. Came out of prison, he was a little bit more humble. Went through rejection. Bit of slavery. False accusations. All kinds of things. But he was prophetic. See, a prophetic person places emphasis, importance on the prophetic. And he remembered his daddy, Jacob. Oh my goodness. I put my head on a stone. 
And in the night, there was this ladder and angels ascending and descending. Surely this is none other than the gate of heaven. God was here. I didn't even know it. This is his papa, Jacob. Joseph, the prophetic one, he's kind of like, tell me, tell me, Dad, tell me again, what was it like? Tell me, what was it like when you wrestled with the angel? Like, did you really think you could win? So, Dad, how's that limp going? Are you sorry about the limp? No, my son. No, this reminds me. I've been mocked. I've had an encounter with the, with the supernatural realm. There's no ways I'm going back. Without a limp, I was running around doing my own thing. I was cheating Laban. Well, he was cheating me. Uh, I was caught up in all this stuff. No, I've been mocked. I know. Jacob, he was telling the stories of his father Isaac. So grandpa, what was it like to lie down and your father took a knife and was going to kill you? What was it like to be there? The revelation and God says... I am Jehovah Jireh. Oh, it's a lovely song. Where did that come from? That came from, hold on, hold the knife, don't kill him. There's a ram in the thicket. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It's kind of like, how did you feel in that moment? You're about to be killed. And then a massive revelation that changes Almost all of humanity's understanding of who God is, Jehovah Jireh. It came in that moment of, you're about to be killed. So Grandpa Isaac, tell me about that. Tell me about that spiritual encounter. Tell me now why you believe that everywhere where great-grandfather Abraham walked, that prophetic word is going to come true. Tell me why you believe it. Oh, because your life was spared. And supernaturally, God intervened. You sowed a time of famine and drought. And you had a bumper harvest. A hundredfold return. When everyone else said, the stock market has crashed. Everything is down. There's no hope. Just like it's all wiped out. We're in an economic, not just a recession, we're in a depression. And in the middle of the depression, the Lord blessed you and caused you to become wealthy and powerful. Talk to me about the revelation of who God is. You see, Isaac was on the altar when their revelation, Jehovah Jireh. So when he's in the He's in the drought, and God says, stick around, I'll provide for you. Come on, all the bells are going off on the inside of him. He's like electrified. 
I will provide for you. Don't go to Egypt. Stay here. I'll look after you. Boom. It's resonating. The prophetic word is resonating inside of him. I'll provide for you. Hang on. Wait a minute. You said you're the provider. The prophetic words are so powerful. It's not just about the blessing from generation to generation. And one of these days I'll get to preach on it. But it's this thing of realizing whatever God spoke in a previous generation. And we haven't seen it fulfilled. We will yet see it being fulfilled. So you get to Joseph and he says, chaps. Tell you what, I'm prophetic like this. Mm -hmm. One day, God will surely come to your aid. It's going to be a while. How does he know it's going to be a while? Because passed on from Jacob, passed on from Isaac, the very words that the Lord spoke to Abraham. And your descendants will be carried off into a foreign land. And for a period of 400 years, they will be in slavery. He had the prophetic word from his great-grandfather. So now, Joseph, he says, guys, God will surely come to your aid. I'm prophetic and I've reviewed all the prophetic words. This hasn't been fulfilled yet. So one day... When you get set free, take my bones. Let my bones serve as a prophetic sign pointing the way. God will surely come and bring deliverance. The prophetic word that God spoke to our great-great-great-grandfather, Abraham, it will surely come to pass. And when it does, now let's step into it. So when Caleb, generations later, because the prophetic words have been passed down from generation to generation, they sit around the bry fires at night. They also decide, we're not turning on the TV. We're going to sit around the fire, phones away, and we rehearse. We pass on from generation to generation. Tell us the stories of what did God do. And they tell all the stories. So the people have rehearsed. They've remembered. They know who God is and what he's done. And Caleb, he follows God, God wholeheartedly. He believes the prophetic words. So when it's his turn, he's kind of like, man, this is amazing. <laughs> Mo. Mo gave me the app, the same app that Abraham had. He says, chaps, go for a walk. Because he knows the story. Because it's been told from generation to generation that everywhere where Abraham walked, God was going to give it to them. And now he's tracking on his own app. He says, man, we don't want to... I really enjoy a place with a view. 
So while all these other guys are scouting out this area, I'm going up to the highlands where the giants are because I want some of the high ground. He's prophetically stepping into the prophetic word that Abraham got. Everywhere where your feet will tread, I'll give it to you. Caleb steps into that prophetic word many generations later and he says, I wonder what ground I would like for myself and my kids. Why did he choose that area? Because he believed that there was a prophetic application of that word for him and his generation. So in the 40 days, obviously there's a limited amount of ground that each one of them can cover. So the guys split up and they go in different areas. They do some stuff together and they split up and they do some other things separately. He says, I'm going for the high ground. And he goes and he checks out the giants. And he says, this is awesome. This is awesome. We're going to have these guys for breakfast. Yay. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Surely, God's going to do a wonderful thing here. I mean, goodness sake, did you see what he did to Pharaoh? It was laughable. The entire Egyptian army <laughs> flushed away. A few giants, not a problem. He's absolutely convinced the prophetic words because he's a person who follows God wholeheartedly. So he's walking on the high ground. He comes back and he says, come on, chaps. Surely we are able. Who else was saying surely? That would be Joseph. Surely God will come to your aid. Generations later, surely we can do this. The prophetic word spoken. It's ours. Come on, bring it. Bring it on. We know God is with us. Just look up. There's a cloud. Nighttime, fire. His presence is with us. Never happened before in the history of the world God showing up like this. Easy peasy. We got him. Hmm? So we looked at the story of Caleb, 85. And he says, hey, Josh, you're getting a little bit old now, and I know you've got some memory issues. So I'm just going to remind you. Josh, do you remember when you and I, 45 years ago, we were there with Mo? And Mo said to us, listen, all this generation... They're going to wander around the wilderness. They ain't going in. But the two of you, you guys get to go. Now, for the last five years, I've been fighting alongside all these youngsters. Not been shirking my duty, my responsibility. I've been there fighting. And now, at 85, I'm as strong as I was when I was 40 years old. 
when I went and walked around and I laid out the territory and I looked for the really lacquer ground with the view and I said, I want a room with the view right on top there. He says, now, give it to me. God said he was going to give it, now give it. Okay? And Josh says, all right, put on your way. So he goes and he takes out three giants up there in the hill country. Captures a place, calls it Hebron. A couple of other places. Sorts it out. In Joshua 15, it says there, but there was one place, city of Jebus, where the Jebusites were. Didn't quite get there. But that's okay. Why? I'm glad you asked. That would be because God said in advance, you'll find this in, um, in Exodus 23, Exodus 23 and 27. You'll also find this in similar thing in Deuteronomy chapter 7. God says to them, listen guys, I'm going to send the hornet ahead of you. It's like an attack military vehicle. I'm going to send the hornet ahead of you and get rid of the ites, tights and kites. I'm going to drive them out. But listen chaps, I'm not going to drive out all of the enemy all at once. Bit by bit. Because otherwise... They're not enough of you yet. We still need some more fruitfulness to take place. And if I drive out all of the enemy, you won't be able to hold on to the ground, and then the wild animals will come and will overrun the place. So I tell you what, little by little, we're going to drive them out. So there still will be people around you, but do not take on from them their wicked ways. Okay. So Caleb, he's okay because he's a guy who wholeheartedly serves the Lord and he remembers what the Lord says. So it's okay if we still have a few Jebusites around. It's in accordance with what the Lord said. And then the land at peace. And when we know, generations later, coming from the same clan, the same tribe of Judah, somebody also who follows the Lord. With all of his heart. Another guy is not afraid of giants. From the tribe of Judah. His name is David. He rises up. And instead of that giant. Standing there. And stopping. The purposes of God. The giant. Becomes the doorway to fulfilling the destiny that God has for David. Hmm. Caleb, David, a man after God's own heart, served God wholeheartedly, wanders around for 40 days. As a spy, sorts out some giants. David, you'll see this in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The giant pops up 
And for 40 days in a row, the giant taunts the people of God. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, it's not just that he's calling him names. Come on, think about it. What was the sign of the covenant? What was the sign that God would be with this people? Circumcision. So what's he saying? This guy is outside of the promise. What is this guy doing in the promised land? He don't belong here. He's not under the covering. He's not under the covenant. He is uncircumcised. This is the promised land. You see, David was also prophetic. David tapped into the prophecies. And David kind of like, these words that were spoken to Abraham, we haven't actually seen them fully fulfilled in our day, in our time. Something rises within him. It's kind of like, you know what? We've had enough of these Philistines. The prophetic word? Why not us? Why not now? Why not our generation? God said we would have all of the land. What are these uncircumcised guys doing here? It's time we took them out. An interesting thing about David is that soon after he sorted out Goliath, he's made king of the tribe of Judah and he sets up his headquarters in a place called Hebron. Hello, Caleb. Hello, David. Hebron, Hebron. And then, after the demise of Saul, the rest of the tribes come to him and say, Hey, Dave, how about it? And he says, I'm well oiled for this. Let's go. He says, Let's go and let's take the Jebusites. The guys who thought they were impenetrable, impossible, never been done, can't do it. And Dave says, we'll have you for breakfast. Hmm? Takes out the Jebusites. He says, all right, I think I'll take your city. Give it a new name, fresh coat of paint. We'll call it Jerusalem. You said it was impossible. <laughs> I'm so going to own this thing. Let's call it the city of David. What was he doing? He's stepping into the fulfillment of the prophetic words. So then he says, right. How many more can we go and circumcise? <laughs> Literally some of his battles were really pretty bad. Talk about human rights violations. 
It was not politically correct. Under David's rule and reign, to the northernmost, to the easternmost, to the southernmost, and to the westernmost boundaries, everything that was prophesied, he took it. He took it. Mm. Not only that, seven years in Hebron, 33 years in Jerusalem equals 40 years. Oh my goodness, there it is again, 40. 40 years. And he establishes the kingdom. This is awesome stuff. What gave him the courage and the boldness to go and do those things? The prophetic words. God said, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, cast your mind back two years. You will not remember the last two years. We're going to go back in time. Relax, people. Just It's a joke. Where were we prophetically two years ago? Oh. Lord Jesus, your kingdom come. Your will be done. The kingdom is advancing. Oh my goodness, this is a, revival is about to break out. You can just feel, man, come on. Bring me some dead people. Because we've got to practice to do some dead raising. Come on, think where we were two years ago. How about some prophetic words that the Lord spoke to us? Come on, if Abram had some words which carried generation to generation to generation, what are our words? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Because you guys are so good at recording those words, here we go. Mark chapter 16. This is your prophetic word. Yeah? Mark chapter 16. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Some creation? All creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany the super apostles. These signs will accompany only the special spiritual elite. These signs will accompany those who believe. Do we have any believers in breakthrough? Okay, so did you bring these signs in with you this morning when you came? Because it says these signs will accompany you. Look left, look right, are they accompanying you? Hmm. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. The devil doesn't stand a chance, guys. He doesn't stand a chance. Big God, small devil. 
big God. Yeah? The devil's end, it's already been declared. Mm. They will speak in new tongues. Come on. This is the portion of all those who believe. These signs will accompany those who believe. How tragic it is when a vast portion of the body of Christ does not believe that speaking in new languages, speaking in tongues, is for them. It's so sad. He said these signs will follow those who believe. Then it goes on. It says they will pick up snakes with their hands. Now, This isn't necessarily my most favorite one, but there it is. You'll pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. Without trying to be too controversial. Some of you are very worried about people that are having poison. And you're very worried about it. Doesn't matter how you get poison in your body. This is a scripture for us. Will not harm you. Mm -hmm. Let's leave it at that. Doesn't matter what comes. Come on, let's trust the Lord. Lord, we trust you. Mm Mm-hmm. They will place their hands on people who are ill, people who are sick, and they will get well. Mm -hmm. So we don't keep social distance anymore. We place our hands on people and they will get well. Mm. After the Lord Jesus has spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and they preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. The word of the Lord, the prophetic word, was accompanied, was validated by the signs that accompanied the preaching of the word. Hmm. Preach the word, signs will accompany Mm -hmm. How about another prophetic word? John chapter 14. Very truly, I tell you. In other words, this is super, super important. Underline it. All right. This is absolutely my intention. Okay. This is Jesus. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name and I will do it. So how's it going with the greater works? Because it's a prophetic word Jesus gave us. He said, guys, even greater works you're going to do. I prophesy to you, even greater works you're going to do. So how's it going? Anything in my name. 
Come on. Are you making some links here with me? Abram got a word. Hey, through you, all nations will be blessed. Kids and kids and many, many kids. I'll bless you. There will be prosperity. I'm going to give you a land. What did Abram get? Not a lot. But the, the prophetic word was given. And eventually a generation rose up and said, we believe the word, we're going to make it happen. Why not us? Why not us, the greater works? Are you tracking with me? How about this in Romans 16, verse 20? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under whose feet? So how's the crushing going? Come on. Who's doing the crushing? This is not a trick question. Too many believers are being crushed by the enemy instead of them doing the crushing of the enemy. How are you doing? Well, under the circumstances. What? Who's meant to be under? A generation is going to step into these things. They're prophetic words that Jesus said is going to happen. Come on. Will we be the Caleb generation? Will we be the David generation? Which generation are we going to be? Let's not be the 40-year-around-the-wilderness generation that never gets to go in. Come on, let's make some choices here. What, what do we actually want the Lord to do? Why not us? Why not now? Why not this generation? Hmm? Matthew ten seven. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. You've freely received a prophetic word. This is your destiny. This is your inheritance. This is your heritage. This is what you've been called to do. And two years ago, yay, let's go. And then somebody hit a pause button. And we were just spinning. You know, like that wheel on your computer? Please be patient. Please be patient. I think it's time. Hit that pause button. Come off pause. And get on with the purposes of God. Why not? Yay. So what are the prophetic words that the Lord has spoken to you individually? So the prophetic words he's spoken to us as the body of Christ, hey, we got them written down. This is cool, easy reference. These are our words. How come Caleb knew the words? How come David knew the words? How come David knew how far he could go in battle? Because the prophetic words had been written down. 
and he pushed all the way to the boundaries. He says, I know I can take these guys. Because he was like with Caleb. Like Caleb knew, I can take those giants. Why? Because they're in the way of God's purposes and God said his purposes will come about. So when David goes out to war against all the ites, tites, kites, philistines and blah, 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 he knows he's going to take them. All he's doing is he's saying, Lord, how do you want me to do it? Send me a signal. There's some mulberry trees doing this and that and all kinds of things. There's amazing signals how the Lord speaks to him and says, okay, this battle plan, it's this way. That battle plan, it's that way. But the victory, the outcome, guaranteed. Keep in step with the Spirit, but we know what the boundaries are. And so we push until we get to the boundaries. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's near, it's come, it's close. The kingdom of heaven is near. Okay, not a trick question. The kingdom of heaven is near. Our Father who is in heaven, may your kingdom, may your as you go, tell everybody, guys, it's really close. It's really, really close. The fulfillment of the prophetic words, it's really, really close. In fact, it's so close, I think I'm not so much a Caleb generation, I think I'm a David generation. How about it? Guys, I'm going to preach myself happy. Allow faith to arise within our hearts. Let's believe God. Two years ago, my goodness, man, come on, where's Goliath? Two years ago, we said, come on, we can take him. We can take him. And Goliath said, I'm coming in disguise. I'll call myself COVID. And everyone said, ooh, we're the caves, we're the cave. Let's... Sorry, I'm just making a bit of a... I don't know how to save it from there, Daryl. <laughs> Too, Too late. There'll always be a giant in every generation standing in between the way of what God has said and your destiny. What are you going to do about the giant? They're giants on a national level. They're giants on a global level. But they're also giants on an individual level. Mm. Come on. Remember David? Five stones. Remember that? Because Goliath had brothers.
they came down to. Giants are coming down. There can be another variant. It's just another opportunity for us to have a go at another giant. Okay. Enough said. If you find any strength in your body, would you stand? Holy Spirit, you've spoken so many words to us as a people. You've spoken prophetic words to us individually. There's certain things you've spoken to us, even from our, our youth, our childhood, we knew there were things you called us to. And there'd been a Goliath chirping defying us, standing in the way. Lord, by your grace, we choose to confront the Goliaths. We're not going to be a generation who goes and hides in the cave. Lord, you have spoken prophetic words over this nation. You do not say it's a state of disaster. You say... Revival will come to the tip of Africa and a fire will burn, a fire of revival will burn throughout the land and will move up through the whole continent for the glory of God. You've spoken those prophetic words over and over again. Now Lord, we've not yet seen it. But we reach into the prophetic words spoken to earlier, previous generations. We pull it into the now. And we say, Lord, we determine to be a generation who will step into all the things that you said we would do. Lord, cause faith and courage and boldness to rise up within us. To believe you that the best is yet to come. That the kingdom will triumph. That the kingdom is coming. Yeah. So Lord, have your way in our lives. And all God's people said,